0: Welcome once again to Devotional. We are on lesson number three for Monday, October 8th. This week has been just a great uh, initiation of thoughts that I had never thought about, you know, carelessness, uh, how serious that could be. Uh, We're going to continue on Monday and the title of uh, Monday's lesson encapsulates the whole thing. Um, How... The worldview that governed Israel, how could they be so uh, prone to rebellion against God when God had been so gracious, so merciful, so powerful in delivering them? And uh, in Judges 17, 6, we understand why they did these things. They did everything because according to what was right in their own eyes. Whatever seemed right to them, that's what they did. And how could they arrive at that? There's one sentence that says, people began to pattern their spiritual lives on false religions of the Canaanite surrounding them. I'm going to read that one more time. People began to pattern their spiritual lives on the false religions of the Canaanites surrounding them. People were in contact with them. The 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 individuals, the the milieu of where they lived, the neighbors that were in contact with them uh, impacted them. I'm going to read a verse to you. Um, Romans chapter twelve verses one and two says: Therefore. I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2. And do not be, and here's the word that I want to emphasize, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you uh, you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. All of us do things according to what seems right in our own eyes. And this is why Paul makes such a strong emphasis. Paul is not just trying to use filler words for the sake of prose. He's measuring each word to put strong emphasis. I urge you, present your bodies as a living, holy sacrifice. This is worship. And do not be... And this is the, the, the catch word, conformed. That's what was happening to Israel. They were conforming. And people have a difficult time. You know, I tell them, what's the difference between conform versus transform? Conform is jello. Conform means with the shape of. And when you pour liquid jello into a mold and you put that in the fridge and you, after, you know, however long it is, that I, I can't remember the last time I made jello, two hours, I don't know how long it is, uh, in the fridge, you plop it over Um, on a plate and you remove the mold the jello has conformed to the mold we don't need supernatural power to become like the world we are prone to do that we are jello and what god wants to make us is into stones of building a temple for himself you put a stone in the mold of a jello it might crack the mold but it will not take its shape. Um, so what God wants is transformation. What the world wants is conformation. And so where can you go in, to a place where you're not in contact with the world? Uh, you may think, well, nature. You and I carry the world in our head. Whatever things, you know, when when I go to camp meeting, in Michigan, camp meeting is an event every summer where all many Christian Adventists go and, Go to a place, and we we are have the opportunity, have the potential of you know from the morning till evening, just being uh, surrounded by spiritual messages and hymns and praises and fellowship is awesome. Week you should really consider going, um, or wherever you, you you may be at, uh, to one of these events. But you know what I see sometimes? I see people coming to this event, and they bring their satellite dish TVs, they bring their movies, they'll bring their video games. And they are in their tents or their RVs, mostly, doing these things. Sad. You are conforming yourself. So it doesn't. You can be in church and be being the experience of being conformed to the world, because we carry the world in our head, and because if the world is in my head, it will be in my pocket, in my car, in my home, in my bedroom, in my kitchen, in the church. I'll bring it with me. I'll bring it with me to camp meeting. Heartbreaking. So Paul's appeal is extremely beautiful and and applicable. Don't be conformed because there's no place on this planet in which you can say I am not under the influence of the world. You you and I can be conformed to the world in the Himalayas. But the point is that Paul is uh, emphasizing is be transformed. There's a tremendous blessing in experiencing transformation, the renewing of our minds. The outcome, the major outcome of having our minds transformed is that we begin to see life through God's eyes. And I no longer choose things in my life. I no longer make decisions based on what it seems right in my eyes. Now I have an option. I'll have a beautiful, I have the best option. I can make choices based on knowing God's will. that's what it says here by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove so that you may know what the will of god is that you are able to now choose that is with that which is good and acceptable and perfect israel made horrible choices because they were making choices based what was in front of their eyes but god offers us his eyes per se you know it's a figure of speech Which is interesting because in the prophetic book of Revelation, when you look at the seven churches, the last church is a blind church. One of the faults that Jesus finds with Laodicea is that this church is blind. But maybe it's not blind that it cannot see. Maybe the blindness applies to they cannot see what God sees. Maybe the condition of Laodicea is the same of Israel in Judges chapter 17. They are doing things according to what seems right in their own eyes which to Jesus, to God, you might as well be blind. In the Gospel of John, Jesus heals a blind man and catches a lot of heat from it. And this man was born blind. And he gets expelled from the synagogue. And uh, there's a bit of, you know, tension and humor, actually, in the dialogue that happens between the church leaders and this blind man. And then Jesus says um, that there is a blindness. There's a blindness that even though your cornea and your retina may be sending the right signals to the back of your brain, to the occipital lobe, doesn't mean that you're actually able to see. What choices I make reveal whether I see or not the way God sees. But to me, it's interesting. This is rich. This, is, this just got bigger and bigger than what I thought about it because in the Old Testament, long before prophets were called prophets, do you know what they were called? They were called seers or the one who sees the one who has been given the gift of God's sight. They can see how God sees. Samuel learned this, you know, God sees the heart. Man looks at outward appearance, but God sees the heart. God can see what we cannot see. And seers were the the term by which they refer to prophets. So for me, you know, one of the ways that I can self-inflict blindness is what we read yesterday in the lesson, when there's a general neglect of God's word the word of God is the eye salve that through the prophets, by by seeing through the seers, through the seers' words, I now can begin to see the world myself the way God sees it. And through that, I begin to understand what God's will is for my life, which leads me then to have the, the best option now. Now I am aware that Before, I I never saw it. I was blind to the options of life that God offered. But now I can say, man, I'm going to choose that which is good, acceptable, and perfect, the will of God. I want that for my life. The last uh, thing that I want to mention from this lesson that I was able to glean, and there's way more, as you can see, I'm kind of rushing because there's a lot more, is this idea of forgetting God. Uh, Towards the end of the lesson, it says, But more often in their history, Israel forgot God and lost sight. They became blind. By forgetting God, they lost sight of their high privilege as his representatives. And because they lost sight of their high privilege, they became blind to it by forgetting God, by neglecting his word. word. They robbed him of the service he required of them, and they robbed their fellow men of two things, religious guidance and a holy example. By forgetting God, they robbed God of the service he required, which is worship. We read that in Romans 12. This is your spiritual worship to yield, to not neglect, to sacrifice, to invest in that which yields eternal results. Um, and then you, you will give God the right service, but Israel forgot that. In doing that, they robbed God of his service and they robbed hum- humans. They are neighbors of religious guidance and a holy example. Now, those are the the, the definitions, the, the words. But I'm going to give you an example of flesh and blood from the lesson itself. It's beautiful. I love this. and I, I encourage you. I'm not sure if online you'll get these resources. I'm pretty sure in the iOS app you do, you get the mission stories. Um, I'm not sure if you get it online. But if they don't, um, I, I encourage you, get, get the printed version if you can. It's only $11 for a whole year. It's not that huge of an investment. Um, so... I'm going to read to you from page 21 in the standard lesson, a story entitled "Adventist Sang Priest Cursed." <laughs> it is by Pastor um, Elvis Dumitru, and if you're familiar with names, you can recognize that he's from Romania. He's a pastor, and he tells a story about how his journey in the Adventist Church began. It began with his grandfather. His grandfather was a lifelong Orthodox believer, but when he was dying. He told his dad, um, a pastor, uh, Elvis' dad, um, Aurelian, he told him, um, when you look for a church, if you ever want to belong to the only true Christian church, you have to go to the Seventh-day Adventist church. Wow! He's a lifelong Orthodox believer. What led his grandfather, Gerace Dumitru, to tell his son, Aurelian, to do this? Well, Aurelian was intrigued and he began to look around and investigate and found the Adventist church and he followed his father's counsel. He became a Seventh-day Adventist. And Aurelian had two sons and they have both now become pastors too, which one of them is Elvis. Um, But how did this happen? How did the, the grandfather all of a sudden get this burden to tell his son, you know, close to his death to pursue this church? Um, the story begins back in the 1960s in their village of Rătesti. Rătesti. It's about 85 miles north of Romania, of Bucharest. Um, and and they, this little village, there was about only eight Adventists. And this is during the height of the communist uh, stronghold during Roma- in Romania. And uh, the authorities arrested all eight Seventh-day Adventists. And the, the government was doing a crackdown on religion. And they sent a driver to get all eight to take him to jail. They are going to jail because of their Christian beliefs. And the driver, as he's going with the cart, I mean, what I, sh- I should emphasize or clarify that driver, he didn't go in a car. He came in a cart being pulled by a horse. He loaded up all eight Adventists in the cart. And as they're going to jail, the road was quite bumpy. I mean, it's not paved. And as they're going up and down in the bumpy road, the Adventists began to sing hymns. And the driver is listening to these beautiful words and music. And he thinks, how can these Adventists sing with such joy when they're going to jail? So he did that. He delivered them and went to jail. A week later, the same driver was called to take the village Orthodox priest to his church. So he went to the priest's home, um, waited for him. He came out and he's sitting in the back. And as he's going in the cart, the cart hit a pothole. And the the story says that when the cart struck the pothole en route to the church, the priest angrily unleashed a torrent of blasphemies. Yikes. And the driver thought, why is the priest cursing his God for a pothole as he goes to church? And why did these Adventists sing such beautiful songs of praise to Jesus as they were going to jail? That, example made such a powerful impression on the driver he began to investigate found things about the Adventist church he got baptized he became a Seventh-day Adventist Christian and this driver was pastor Elvis's grandfather's close friend and that's why close to his deathbed uh, pastor Elvis's grandfather would tell his dad Aurelian if you ever want to belong to a true church These church members sing when they're going to jail. Go to them. I'm going to read something at the end of this this uh, mission story. It says, We often think that people are not interested in what we are doing, but people are always watching. A cart of Adventist prisoners didn't know that a driver was listening in awe to their songs of praise and that their faithfulness would shape two generations of adventists in my family powerful you know you and I do not have to make this choice we can make the choice of worshiping god we make can make the choice of offering ourselves as a living sacrifice and say lord reveal to me your will i will not be neglectful of your word the prophets the seers that have recorded these revelations of who you are help me see take away the blindness show me your son jesus that whether i am going to work or whether i am going to jail people that watch me can see faithfulness and joy in my life